You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about the MC5 Kick Out the Jams. In the room, I have Rob and Ben. Kick Out the Jams is the debut album by American proto punk band, the MC5. It was released in February 1969 through Electra Records, and it was recorded live at Detroit's Grand Ballroom over two nights Devil's Night and Halloween 1968. And from All Music Review, Mark Deming. Rather than try to capture their legendary onstage energy in a studio, MC5 opted to record their first album during a live concert at their home base, Detroit's Grand Ballroom. From Brother J.C. Crawford's rabble-rousing introduction to the final wash of feedback on Starship, Kick Out the Jams is one of the most powerfully energetic live albums ever made. Wayne Kramer and Fred Sonic Smith were a lethal combination on tightly interlocked guitars, bassist Michael Davis and drummer Dennis Thompson were as strong a rhythm section as Detroit ever produced, and Rob Tinner's vocals could actually match the soulful firepower of the musicians. No small accomplishment. Even on the relatively subdued numbers, the band sounded like they're locked in tight and cooking with gas, while the full-blown rockers, pretty much all of side one, are as gloriously thunderous as any ever committed to tape, this is an album that refuses to be played quietly. For many years, Detroit was considered the high-energy rock and roll capital of the world, and Kick Out the Jams provided all the evidence anyone might need for the city to hold on to the title. All right, what do we think of Kick Out the Jams? What do you what What do you think we think of? Kick I out think the jams? we all think Kick Out the Jams is fucking great. It done kicked them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first hear this album? Because I think I first heard it in college, maybe late high no late high school. Because I was just getting into punk music, mm-hmm. and I went back and I and it was recommended this album, Television Marquee Moon, early Elvis Costello. And, um, like, the Stooges uh, were all in this, like... Good recommendations. Yeah, I thought so, too. Late high school for me as well. Uh, I was I was just getting into punk rock, and I was familiar with the name of the band, but didn't know what they sounded like. And then I found the CD at, like, a, a secondhand CD store, like a used CD store, uh, affordable enough to take a risk on it. Was not expecting it to be a live album, yet it still rocked my socks off. Uh, I just heard this, like, last week for the first time. Awesome. Yeah. It's pretty good. So you had... Pretty good record. Uh, you had never digged into MC5 or... Nope. 
anything no, like that? You weren't they, curious about the Stooges? Don't and... really, <laughs> don't really care so much about the Motor City or the uh, the five people involved in the band. But good, good live record. The energy in this album is. I feel like they looked to James Brown live at the Apollo. Yeah. And they said, we want to do that. I think I, I've read as much as they looked at that album as how to present a live album. All killer, no filler, complete, just high energy on all the time. Mm-hmm. Like no no stops, no nothing, and just in, engaging the crowd. It's one of the my two favorite kinds of live albums. It, uh, the one where it sounds like it's about to go off the rails at any moment. It feel, I feel like I'm in that room and... That room's about to pop. That's really like the whole record. Yeah, you kind of feel like there's about to be a riot. The way he either a riot or an orgy. I have no <laughs> idea which, but but something's going on. Something's gonna happen. The way he <laughs> the way it kicks off and he he's like proclamating. He's he's preaching. He's mm-hmm. sort of like at a protest or something, and then it just kicks into like wailing wailing guitar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Seventies Detroit rock and roll. Give me a second helping. Any yeah. any day. I love that sound. I, I like the like I like the Detroit soul sound of the sixties. I love the Detroit rock and roll sound of the seventies. Yeah, well how come this book like the uh, even in the all music review, like they absolutely ignore Motown. Right. From Detroit. And maybe it's because they're talking specifically about the MC five, but this book has been a fucking nightmare, like talking about any of that shit. It's the, true. The only the only thing I can see is if they're talking of album specific, and maybe it was singles, not not albums. It was but singles based, but there however, were albums. Yes, there yes. were albums. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to defend. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Ex- yeah, I mean, ex- th- best explain. Get, yeah, best explain. Like they could have even done like there's a really really solid Motown review live at the Apollo actual album and. They could have thrown that one in there, and they could have covered a lot of bases. They could have gotten like Smokey Robinson, Marvin Gaye, Martha and the Vandellas. They could have got, they could have covered them all in one album had they been short on space. Yeah, but they just didn't. They didn't cover so much of this stuff. It's a real yeah. fucking shame. Yeah. Um, not not to detract from how good this record is. Just it, 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 interesting that like it's somehow being glossed over by it. Yeah, I agree. I have a few few things that detract from this album for me. One is the recording, the actual recording quality. Now, while I I do appreciate how lo-fi it sounds, it's charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does does kind of detract a little bit for me. Just things being so over other things. Absolutely agree. Okay. Yeah. I was I was wondering if you guys felt like it doesn't matter. It. it no, I, 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 I agree on the production. And I also, like, I love this record. And, like, I love the MC5. I love rock and roll. I love the Detroit sound. I don't think this album's all killer, no filler by any means. Yeah. I, like, what, what this album has going for it is just charisma and energy and a handful of really iconic songs. There, there are times of this album where, or of this performance, where they kind of lose me a little bit. Is it side two? It's side two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the funny thing is I feel like if you want, if you want like the energy, it's side one, and then you flip it over and it's like 
Ah, this is the rest of the concert. Yeah, we're, t- we're tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're gonna we, get on a starship now. <laughs> yeah. You know, they also kind of front loaded their set list. It's true. Like had yeah had come together or Ramble and Rose been like nestled in the side two because like side one's like all bangers and side two is more of the long songs. They're still good songs and they're still rocking really hard, but it doesn't have those hooks, those memorable moments of side one. I was surprised they didn't put Rocket Reducer first song, second side. Oh, that'd be a good side two opener. Why not why not in inside one with Motor City is burning or something like that and put Rocket Reducer on, on the I mean I feel like that would have balanced quite a bit. That's I exactly agree. right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to get too like Rambling a fa Yeah, rambling about what we would do differently. But yeah, you're right. It does having that front loaded it just makes it stand out even more because the first side was so exciting. It's almost like a split. split oh, yeah. Split yeah. seven inch. I was reading a bit today about how this band was getting rightfully hyped before this album came out. Because they they had like their, their Detroit, not, not technically a residency, but they were playing every night they could in Detroit. Uh, so they're just kind of like, you could see the MC5 any night you wanted in Detroit. And they kind of just built up this presence there. And they got, like, just regionally known for just being, like, these these workhorses just, like, leaving it all on stage night after night. Then they started getting, uh, like, opening slots for, like, Big Brother and Holding Company and Cream and stuff. And they were just blowing these bigger bands off the stage. Like, I read, like, Cream left the stage vanquished. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah, like... Like, how are you, you going to go on and play some 12-bar blues after MC5 just burnt it down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, and that's what I guess kick out the jams, you know, it, he says in, there's a couple of different interpretations from it, but one of them is, you know, kind of put up or shut up, like get mm-hmm. off the stage, stop jamming up the, you know, people's good times with your bullshit. Yeah. You know, we, we bring, we bring this energy. We bring this like rock and roll attitude. So get read, on with it. I read, uh, yeah, uh, a line from uh, Sonic Smith talking about like what kick out the jams title came from. They're saying, like, kick out was just kind of, like, an esoteric thing that they would say for, like, like knock it off or cut it out. Like, like kick out whatever this is. 
And when, when they were playing with, like, they said primarily these, like, British blues rock bands just taking these extended solos, their, in, their like, in-band joke was kick out the jams, which they meant to stop jamming. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I never knew that's how at least Sonic Smith interpreted it. And, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for that awesome phrase I'll use all the time now. <laughs> Yeah, I I would never ever want to follow this fucking band. Like even in my like glory days, I don't I couldn't have followed this shit. No. Like what a fucking nightmare to have to go after this. You know, what if I told you I've never probably and this is maybe my own fault made it through the entire song Starship consciously listening to every minute of it. It's at the end of an album that lags on the second half. And it's the last song on the album. It's like eight minutes long. And it starts out awesome. And at some point it stops being awesome. And my mind knows it's the last song on the album. And kind of checks out and starts thinking about what we're going to put on next. And then a few minutes later I realize that Starship's still on. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I missed something good. But I was still just there listening to it. I just, huh. I kind of check out on Starship a little bit. No, it kind of, zo- it it's definitely zones out into a different ethereal kind of experimentation, I would say. Yeah. Which makes sense in a certain strange way of being like, we're leaving this planet and we're going into space and everyone's free and your mind is expanding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So kind of being in this, there, they're like rebels, they're rock and roll protesters, but at the same time they're talking about this like breaking through your mental walls and things like that and going into space. I'm wondering if I was actually at the show and had like the the like just like the visceral connection and like and was the, high and as was hell. high as fuck and had the visuals of it and also fuck the police. Maybe like then I, I maybe I would have like really, really, really been into it. Okay. You know, but I don't know. That song just it, it, it starts out cool, and then just it, it just kind of I, I tune it out at some point. Okay. Every time I listen to it. I was curious what you guys thought of that one. What my, do you think, Birch? I think it's I think it's too long, um, but it's a live performance, so I get what they were doing, and they could have reined it in, but I understand that it's right. It's 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 a length because that's how they played it, you know. It's not like they went back, re-recorded it, and, and yeah. mm-hmm. it's just how, how long it turned out to be for this performance. I don't think it does enough innovative things within that dreamscape space or whatever they're, they're doing there. With, uh, it was written by Sun Ra, I guess. He wasn't there. Uh, I think they, they borrowed inspiration yeah. Yeah, and from lyrics from him, so they credited him. I think it... Uh, yeah, it just goes on a, a bit too long for what they're doing. They just don't have enough going on when it when it goes into that that uh, that you, place. You factor in live hometown crowd. Oh, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. But I'm, it is. It, but it's not live anymore. It and is I'm not their hometown crowd. It does remind me of one of the greatest endings of like a rock and concert, which I always appreciated, and it was by Race Bannon from yeah. Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. And what they uh, they did for a while, it was in between, when was it? 
because it was during their Satan's kicking your dick in era. <laughs> of course. Of course. Who could forget those heady nights? <laughs> what they would do is they would play the show very loud. I mean, they're completely uh, hardcore metal band and everything. And then they would play the ending song. And then Mike would leave the stage. The lead singer would leave the stage. And then they would kind of start to taper off just a bit. It was still hard rock, but they'd start to taper off. And then all of a sudden, it would get quieter and it would go on for another minute. And then they would pl- kind of be playing another, they would transition a little bit quieter. And it went on for like five minutes of them constantly getting like quieter as if someone was just slowly turning the channel and turning the volume down in such a slow pace as if you're seeing something in slow motion and by the end of it it was like whisper quiet and then it just was silent <laughs> and i i was like the live live yes. fade out are you kidding me like the <laughs> slowest fade out yeah. from like one of the loudest bands going from this loud to quiet that's awesome and so that's kind of what i i thought of when i heard starship of this sort of like i could see coming that. down actually but they're saying they're blasting off but it's sort right. of this big come this come down anymore yeah actually are you are you guys familiar with other mc5 albums other than this one they no two, this two is more. the first time i've listened to them uh high high times, times and uh back in the usa yes back in the usa came after this one it came the next year and it was production wise a very conscious hard left i re- i really like kick out the jams and its production I, I, I like Kick Out the Jams and his energy. I, I agree with you on the production. Uh, I wish it was a little bit more produced. I think that they overcorrected on uh, Back in the USA. Yeah. The, 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 the material on Back in the USA, I love it so much. It's tight. It's like, it is closer to punk rock than Kick Out the Jams. Kick Out the Jams had the energy. Back in the USA had the tightness. And it's just like... An airtight punk rock, high energy record, but it's almost overproduced. It almost sounds sterile. Yeah, and and, and I've always thought that, and I wish they could have just split the difference between the two. Like, kick out the jams is a little too loosey goosey. Back in the USA, it's a little too sterile. I just wish they could have found that happy medium for as short of a, a musical a recording career as they had. I feel 
they never quite hit the nail on the head production wise to be as effective as a band, a recorded band as they could have been. Maybe that's why it's called proto punk. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's called proto punk. You gotta, yeah. gotta fucking walk, you crawl before you walk, man. Warts and, and all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what do you think about this, Rob? Fucking dope. You should listen to it. It also has the first record recorded words of motherfucker. Is that correct? Sounds right to me. Yeah. Sounds right to me. First motherfucker on record, if I'm not mistaken. Kick out the jams, motherfuckers. Yeah, dude. Dope. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you like rock and roll and you haven't heard Kick Out the Jams... Well, I like rock and roll and I hadn't, and I like it. There you go. <laughs> Take it from Rob. Hey! Go out and listen to Kick Out the Jams. It's a really good live record with bangers on it, and the only version of Kick Out the Jams is a live version. Which is weird, right? <laughs> Isn't that weird? I was so confused when I was looking for this on Spotify. I was like, why is it live? Yeah. Do I have the wrong record? No. Nope. That's <laughs> like it. In my high school days, when I found it in the CD store, I, I, I'd heard, I, I knew there was a song called Kick Out the Jams. I knew it was a proto-punk song that I would like. I didn't know why I couldn't find a non-live version of it. Because there isn't one. While you're looking, <laughs> did you find the Henry Rollins fronting uh, Bad Brains version of Kick Out the Jams? No. <laughs> All right, we're going to listen to that <laughs> I, I after did, this. Are you going to out with, with that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I did find the presence of the United States cover of Kick okay. Out the Jams, which That's is a good one. A good one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm also live though, right? Uh, I don't know. They done kicked it out though. They done kicked it out. <laughs> All right, I'm uh, on the positive as well. Obviously, it's this is what you know the Stooges are go- are gonna get into. It's just like this raw rock and roll and punk rock. Yeah, I think we all like this kind of music. So sure. yeah. All right, next time we'll be talking about temptations. The temptations, Cloud Nine. All right, thanks, y'all. Yep.